Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have Robin Domeniconi with me, who is the CEO of Threaded Tales and formerly the CMO of Red and Rulala. So Robin, thank you for joining me. I'm excited to have you on the show. Thanks so much. I'm psyched to be here. Thank you, Nadine. Absolutely. So I am so excited to talk about so many different things with you. But first of all, let's talk about Threaded Tales because you were a CMO and then decided just to go launch this new business as CEO. And how cool is that? So tell me what it is. Yeah. So Threaded Tales is, is a brand I started. I had gotten to a point in my career where I, I felt it was, it was time to give back. And I kind of stumbled upon this through lots of different reasons, which we'll get into. But Threaded Tales is a brand that you tell the story about your life. And by telling your story, you're allowing stories of generations to be told. And you answer 35 questions about your life. And those are then embroidered on your favorite article of clothing. And they're embroidered by artisans in Haiti. And every item that we embroider sends a child in Haiti through one year of school. So it's kind of like, you know, there's not a single person you couldn't learn to love once you've heard their story. And yet while you're telling your story, you're allowing stories of kids to be told because they're, they're going to school now. Wow. Okay. So that is incredible. Like, how did you even come up with this idea? It was an interesting journey and a really incredibly um, kind of serendipitous one. I had gotten to a point, as I had mentioned, where my career was successful. I had a great 11-year relationship that had been coming to an end. And I really reached a point where I think we all kind of do at one point in our life where we reevaluate with what we're doing. Are we, are we actually satisfying our soul and our purpose? And I quit my job. I mutually ended this 11-year relationship. I sold a four-bedroom townhome on the park. And I bought a one-way ticket to Bali to kind of go soul-searching and find, find what made me happy. And I'm sure, Nadine, you can relate to this because after so many years of being successful in a career and going and going and, you know, getting promoted and getting this and getting that, you never really stop and take stock of, is this what I want to be doing? And I woke up one day 
and all the passion had kind of left. I was no longer seeking that corner office. I really was seeking more of a creative outlet. And I went to Bali and um, through a lot of pain and a lot of meditating, I started drawing on my pants things that made me happy. And as I did that, I realized all these childhood things that I never was doing anymore. I wasn't drawing. I wasn't swimming. I wasn't doing anything. Actually brought back passion and joy. After drawing them, I started embroidering them, which they look ridiculous because I don't embroider, but they looked amazing at the same time because they are very artistic and people would stop me and could not believe like, oh my God, those are so cool. And I would start telling them my life story. So to make a long story short, what I realized was everyone wanted them. I had no way of doing it. It took me eight months to embroider them. But I'm on the board of a company called Global Good Partners, and we import fair trade products from around the world. It's a great site. And these artisans from Haiti did a great embroidery. And so I sent them a pair of jeans, and within three weeks, the jeans came back embroidered head to toe, gorgeous embroidery. These aren't patches. They're designs. And they tell your life story. And we pay three times fair trade wages. And we've got 67 kids in school right now. Um, I just launched last fall. And every pair puts a child through one year school. And today we're also doing it on leather and on cashmere, on backpacks. So it's really a great way of taking my path of fashion and storytelling and content and media, and yet putting that into a way where we're actually uh, empowering these women in Haiti and, and their children to, uh, to be able to have a sustainable life and go to school. Okay. Wow. So that is totally fascinating. And I have so many questions now. In particular, you just mentioned your background of all these different things. And right before you were at Threaded Tales, you were the CMO of Red. Can you tell me a little bit about that role? And is it connected to what you're doing now? Because both have a humanitarian flair for it, right? Yes, they do, actually. When I was in Bali, you know, it's, it's funny how uh, what you put out in the universe truly does come back to you. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. And when I was in Bali, I got a call from a recruiter to see if I wanted to work at Red as the CMO. And I knew I wanted to give back. And so I came back and I did. I started working at Red with Bono and it was an incredible organization. And I was doing threaded tails on the side. I was just doing that for my friends. And I was sending a few pair of jeans off to Haiti through Haiti Project and the Global Good Partners. And so when I was at Red, I was able to also spend a lot of my time and most of my time um, there working on how we revitalize and get these bigger, more private companies like Apple and Gap and all these great companies that had worked so long with Red to help AIDS and alleviate AIDS in Africa. So it was a great fit for me for the ability to be able to give back. And at the same time at night, I was doing threaded tales. What happened was that the candles started burning at both ends and I started realizing friends of friends of friends were, were calling me about threaded tales at, to do jeans for them. And I was staying up till three, four in the morning and decided to pursue it full time. However, Red is an organization that was started 10 years ago. And it really is about, um, you know, in America, if you get AIDS, you go home with a prescription today. But still in Africa, if you get AIDS, you're going home with a death certificate. And it was my job to make sure people understood that AIDS is not over and in Africa, it really does still need a lot of attention. And so it was a really incredible uh, organization with very dedicated people trying to get that message across. Wow, what an amazing organization too. And such a great place for you to go after Bali knowing you wanted to give back. So it seems like it was sort of a miracle transition almost to allow you to build threaded tails. 
Yeah, it, it was. It really was. And also the fact that I was able to, you know, my marketing career had always been in media and working with brands. And so I understood when I went to Red how to kind of talk to partners and marketers and let them know that, you know, giving back and doing good does still mean really great business. And so Red was one of the first organizations that if you bought a product, whether or not you knew you were buying this red iPhone, it didn't matter because Apple was still going to give money back into the fund to uh, help AIDS in Africa. So it was one of these kind of incredible opportunities to take my experience and yet be able to uh, work with the same partners that I had worked with in the past in media and work with them on making products for, for the better good. Okay, so fascinating. So let's talk about what happened before Bali. What you know, you got to a point where you said, "I don't really want that corner office anymore." But let's talk about your journey to that corner office and things you learned along the way. Like, where did you start? Yeah, so I started in media. I started many, many years ago, running. Uh, you know, I started from sales and selling ad space, and moved to New York to help open uh, a magazine called Art and Antiques. And then just kind of my career took off from there into publishing. And I became the publisher of Gospel Women Magazine and Country Home Magazine. And then was on the founding team of the brand Real Simple. Real Simple Magazine was one of the few magazines when we started at Time Inc. that actually started with a website, a magazine, a TV show, product in, in Target. So it really was a brand about making your life easier and how do you develop that brand, that essence of making your life easier through other channels. I think one of the reasons I, I love the magazine world so much, I love the traditional media world. And I think one of the areas that was a little bit slower to grow from was not defining themselves as a distribution channel, because magazines, a lot of the time are a distribution channel instead of a brand. And so it was my job after Real Simple, I became the president of the Time Inc. Media Group. And it was my job to help the other magazines become brands and understand that the magazine was just one of those spokes in the wheel and not the center of the wheel. So in order, for example, at Real Simple, we said it in the center where the consumers were, were those that we wanted to help make their life easier. And we would do that through time-saving, space-saving, money-saving, and stress-reducing filters. Any solution that we had for those four items we would then do either through the magazine or the TV show or product. Instead of putting the magazine in the center and saying, okay, what goes on the outside? We put what the actual challenge was and what we were solving as the problem for the, for the consumer or the reader or the member or whoever it may be. And so I think one of the greatest things that I still loved in, in my career and that I always do first is find out what the essence of the brand is and what the filters are that we build that brand around so that we can not just be a one-dimensional brand. I love that. I, you know, reminds me of a conversation I just had yesterday about branding, but that's a different thing. Um, but yeah, to that point, exactly. It's about keeping it simple, grounded in purpose and really understanding what the mission is. It's funny because one of the ways I used to try to explain it to people was when Secret Deodorant came out so many years ago, it came out as a spray in a can but they didn't say they were a spray in a can. They said, this keeps women dry. And that's why they're able to do the gel stick and the powder and the dry stick and the spray. And so I think if we keep ourselves out of the distribution channel of we're a newsletter, we're a podcast, 
We're a magazine. Those are the distribution channels of the essence of your brand. And if the essence of your brand is we make your life easier, then how do you get that out? I think it's, that's one of the biggest challenges I think a lot of brands do have. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. So this is, I'm going to really think about this because it's going to be helpful in something else that I'm working on here. So thank you for that tip. I love it. So then as you were doing this, you, you took another step, right? Because you, you've had a lot of different kinds of experiences in different industries. So where did you go after that? Yeah. So after I became the president of the Timing Media Group, what I really realized is I like building things and I did not like as much. While I loved people I worked with and I loved the company, my soul wasn't being fulfilled, not building, not actually getting my hands in there and building the brand. So as I became more corporate in a job where I actually was more kind of a, uh, on a different layer, I wanted to get back into the weeds. And so I went into private equity for a year or two, for actually two years, and was going to be an executive and waiting for a brand that they would buy and I would become the CEO. And, but 2008 happened in October and the market crashed. And the private equity firm was not buying anything for a while. And Microsoft um, recruited me to go run their advertising sales and marketing for the U.S. And I thought, wow, what a great way to go over and kind of help them realize that they could be a media company, not just a technology company, because they had so many assets that they were able to reach consumers with. And yet they were, they were positioning themselves as the, we have products. And I wanted, when I went to Microsoft, the first thing I did was I changed that their mindset of saying, we don't need to sell Xbox, that Madison Avenue and marketers don't care that we have Xbox. What they really care is that we have 21 million live gamers. And so I tried to make it so that there was an emotional connection to the audience rather than a quota on a product that you had to sell. And it was a different mindset for Microsoft, but they were really, um, they were really open to it. And we changed the way we went to market there. That's a very interesting way to think about it is the number of gamers. So how did you then develop the vision and the, the actions yep. that you took there? Yeah, so when I, when I went over to Microsoft, there, we had about, and I'm going to throw out numbers. I don't know if these numbers are right, but you'll get the general idea of it. We had maybe 175 salespeople and about 20 specialists. And the salespeople would go out and sell the 90 products we had, whether it was Hotmail, whether it was, um, MSN, MSNBC, whether it was Windows, whether it was Xbox, whatever Microsoft had to sell advertising space on, we had salespeople in the marketplace selling those products to buy to the marketers to buy ad space. And I changed it around, taking my kind of real simple philosophy and said, I only want to sell three things. I don't want to sell 90 products. I want to sell, I wanted to simplify the sales process and simplify the buying process. So we changed it around. Instead of having 175 salespeople, we changed it to have more about like 70 salespeople and 100 specialists. So the salespeople would go out and only sell audiences. They would sell audiences through um, brand or search or a network. And so display meaning brand. So we had display, network, or search that you can, that you can go talk to a marketer for. But what we wanted to know from the marketers who are you trying to reach? Do you want young men who are 18 to 24, who are active, who are, and then the salespeople would come back to the specialists and the specialists would look across all of our products and say, okay, we've got 21 million live gamers through Xbox. We've got 10, you know, 10 million 
um, young men who are on our finance every day, our finance network every day. We've got 10 million that are on our hotmail every day. And so they would, the specialists would be able to package the product that the audiences would be delivered through. Not that the salespeople had to know every single product. And it made it so much easier for both the selling and the buying process. And so we ended up going to market in a much different way and it was very successful. Wow, that that sounds very cool and, and brilliant. So, I mean, clearly the background in in Real Simple really helps you with that. And then you went to another publication, right? You went over to L. Right. So after um, I was at Microsoft, I got a call I couldn't turn down, which was to go be the chief brand officer of L and L Decor. And it was one of the very, I think it was the only brand at the time or magazine at the time that was allowing the uh, chief brand officer to run both editorial and publishing. And it's not that I needed to run editorial and I needed to run publishing in order to, you know, feed my ego and get the money and get the big job. But I believe in order to position a brand to both the consumers and the marketers, you need to have the brand fulfill the promise from both the editorial side and the publishing side. And so at L, it was about celebrating personal style. And how are we going to celebrate personal style? We had our filters there. Show me what's what, show me how to, show me what's new, show me why not. So that we give you confidence to celebrate your personal style. We thought about person L stylists. We thought about how can we grow the brand outside of the pages. We had a clothing line in Kohl's that was accessible clothing. So everything would go through those filters or how, of how we can fulfill the promise but we did it outside of just the pages of a magazine. And we ended up doing uh, licensing deals that brought in as much or more revenue than even just the pages in the magazine in a very short period of time. Okay, super cool. And, you know, I'm just fascinated by your journey because it's, it's, it's almost like they just naturally progress into something even more dynamic that includes everything that you did before <laughs> and plus, plus more, right? Because then you went on to become the CMO at Vente Privé, right? Right, and Vent Privé was a flash sale site that came over um, from France. It was one that was the original, the very first flash sale site uh, that Gilt and Rulala both copied here in the States. But after several years, Vent Privé decided to join up with American Express and launch the um, flash sale site here in America. And American Express had a great opportunity to partner with Vent Privé because of their marketing chops. And because they had all this information from their members, American Express members, on what they buy, where they buy, how they like it. So we were able to really market to a very pinpointed group of, of people and, and women and men and know what they liked and have the sales go up there and help them kind of, of buy in a very um, new way. It was a, a flash sale site. It's up for four days and it's down. But with the experience from Vont Privé and the marketing chops from American Express. From there, I ended up going to Rue La La because Rue La La really wanted to do what I'd wanted to do from day one, which was, um, and it's very hard to do from the media side. When I was at L, I really wanted to be able to have this direct correlation. Wow, I love what I'm reading. I love those jeans I'm reading about. How can I buy them immediately from these pages? Instead of leaving the, pa- leaving the pages or the website or wherever I was and going to a store, you could click right there and, and buy them. It's very difficult for a media company to become an e-commerce company because you have to know about warehousing, you have to know about fulfillment and merchandising, and it's a whole different uh, field. 
Whereas if I start with an e-commerce company, I can make it a media company much easier because it's just adding content to a site that's already got the fulfillment and the warehouses and the merchandising, et cetera. And so Rulala um, wanted me to come over to help them with figuring out the essence of the brand and also how to make it a, a content company. And they've now got a newsletter that goes out. Rulala just recently acquired Gilt. So it's the Rue Gilt group. So they're doing very well right now. Wow. So fascinating. And gosh, so many good points in everything that you're saying. I could dig in so long into each one of your experiences and learn so much from you. So I'm going to hold back because otherwise I'll, I'll spend the next two hours with you on the phone asking you a million <laughs> questions. But that was the point, right? At the end of Rulala, that was the point when you said, I'm done. Yeah, it's interesting. And it was probably the pinnacle of my career where I had just felt, you know, I was succeeding. I was doing really great. Yet I was traveling every Monday to Boston because I lived in New York. My son was um, getting ready to go to school and I was traveling back and forth on Mondays to Boston back on Thursdays. I was in a relationship where my partner was traveling. So we'd miss each other quite a bit. And I also had gotten to a point where I had done it. I had, you know, Rula La was humming. I had, I had built the brand's um, uh, essence with the team. I, it was not me. I, I, it's never me. I, I can't do this alone. It's, it's the team I have. And we had gotten to a point where I felt it's doing great, but I'm not feeling that passion anymore. And I think the chaos of my life had really numbed the passions that I always felt. And so I wanted to get back to the passion I felt when, when I launched Real Simple. And I didn't know how to do that. And I was just kind of on autopilot. And so that's when I said it's time to stop. I had never stopped since I started working at 14 at Dairy Queen. I, um, I had not stopped. I worked in school. I worked at college. I got out of college and worked and I didn't know what, who I was. I didn't even know what made me happy. I didn't know what I wanted to do anymore. And for the first time in my life, all the adjectives that everyone ever described me as decisive, passionate, you know, says it the way it is. I couldn't decide if I wanted to turn right or left at the corner. I was just that numbed by the chaos. And so it was painful. It was really painful, but I decided to stop and I quit my job and ended the 11 year relationship, sold the four bedroom apartment and, and moved to Bali for, I was going to move to Bali for a year, but red called and, and brought me back. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did. They brought you back and look where you are now. So, you know, you can't get more personalized in the actual product than I think what you've designed. It's amazing. It really is. You know, it's funny that you said what you said earlier about, wow, everything kind of runs into the next and to the next. And when I, today, even when I have recruiters or someone calling me and say, well, you know, tell me about your career. I look at your resume and like, how did you go from brand magazines to digital, to private equity, to e-commerce and to fashion. And it just all kind of one, one thing led to another where I had no idea what I was looking for. All I knew when I went to Bali was that I, meditated on the feeling I had it real simple because I had lost so much of my soul and so much of my passion through the chaos of just running and running and running and never stopping that all I could remember was the feeling I had and that's what I wanted again and I didn't know what I wanted to do and I didn't know where I wanted to go but I knew the feeling I wanted to have and so you know I can give advice to anyone who's in a situation who just needs or can take a time out you don't need to buy a one-way ticket to Bali to do this but you do need to take time to just stop and just kind of concentrate on the feeling you want to have when you're working. And for me, it was being in the flow. 
And when I tell stories and when I create with my hands and when I'm working with people that are less fortunate than me and I can give back to, that's when I'm in the flow. And it kind of started when I was doing that with Real Simple, making your life better, you know. And, and so it all kind of came full circle where I didn't know what I was looking for, but I knew how I wanted it to feel. Wow. That is amazing. And I've actually seen your website. I've looked at the pictures, the things that you're building are not only personal, tell stories of individuals, but they're beautiful, like really well done. Yeah. You cannot, my friends literally say to me, please don't wear your jeans tonight because you (laughs) get stopped everywhere you go. And if you're not feeling social, don't wear your jeans because you get stopped. They are they're just great. They're, they're fashion items. I mean, they're, you know, they're very high fashion, but at the same time, when you look close, you realize there's more to it than just the fashion hair. And people start saying, well, tell me, and you could tell your entire life story. I met a man on a date once who said, please, he, he had looked me up and he said, please wear your story to our first date. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and I did. Awesome. It's, it's a real, they're, they're real conversation starters. And You know, I go back to the quote I started with where there's not a single person we couldn't learn to love if we didn't know their story. And that's really what this is all about. This is a time in our life and our in the world where we need to listen and we need to stop, stop talking so much and just listen to other people and hear what they have to say. And this is a way to do it without even saying a word. It's amazing. So if anybody wants to have their life on their jeans or on a jacket or what have you. So they just have to go and answer 35 questions and then you reach out to your group in, in Haiti and they start to build and embroider these patches. Is that how that works? Yeah. It's, um, with a few touches that are different. So basically you go to the website and you answer, you can see the 35 questions. Um, you could also see all the different items that we've embroidered. Again, they're just, these artisans have done this through generations passed down you know, generation after generation. So their artistry is just phenomenal. People can't believe this is not machine work and it's not it's all done by hand. So you have 16 artisans in Haiti right now working with us. And what you do after you answer your questions is you send those to me via email and send me your favorite article of clothing. You can also get on the phone with me. I just, I helped someone the other day who wanted to do a black cashmere um, zip up hoodie and, and I helped her with, you know, what would look great on it. And then you answer the questions and then my designers or myself draw and interpret the answers to your questions on your item. So they're actually drawn directly on your article of clothing. And then the, the artisans in Haiti get your article of clothing with the drawings on it and a color palette that shows what colors to do. Then they embroider them and in three weeks they send it back to, to me and then I send them on to you. Wow. Okay. Very, very cool. I'm going to have to try this out. Uh, very exciting. Although I yeah. may have like thousands of patches because like my life too has been a somewhat chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. We, uh, we start, we say start off with, you know, 35 designs and then we do only the front on jeans and then, you know, in five years or 10 years, we'll do the back on them. But right now we do the front on jeans. We do all over jackets and things like that, but you can choose from however many designs you want. 35 designs put the child through one year of school and then you do that half of those put a child through six months of school etc we were only starting with the iconic jeans when we launched but we've gotten so many people who because these aren't inexpensive they take over 100 hours of work to do in each pair 
So, and we want to pay three times fair trade wages and put the kids through school. So we now have a line where you can do less. You could do just 10 designs and it puts a child through three months to six months of school. That's awesome. Well, you know, amazingly, Robin, every time I end my podcast, I always ask the question, if you weren't a CMO, what would you be? And I don't actually have to ask you that because you're doing exactly what you want to do. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, through a lot through a long journey and a lot of tears and a lot of pain. It wasn't something that came easily to me. And I, I, I guess everyone kind of will say, oh, my gosh, look at you. You're living your life. You're doing it. It's really hard to step out of the corporate life. It's really hard to walk away from that corner office and all the you know accolades that I got by being in those great positions and meeting and working with the most incredible brands and the incredible people, and not to mention the financial rewards from that. So you do have to make decisions in your life, but when you do really go for your heart and your soul and your purpose, and you find that by stopping and just listening and, and remembering what you love to do when you're a child, it's incredible what happens that when you follow your passions, financial rewards will come with that. It's a step back. I'm not, I'm not living on a, in a four-bedroom townhome on the park. I'm living in a one-bedroom in Chelsea, and I've never, ever been happier. <laughs> wow. Well, with that, that is the most perfect way for us to wrap up today. But I want to talk to you again and hear how things are going. So maybe one day around two. I would love that. And I would love to tell your story, Nadine. So we'll have to get those questions answered. Oh, good. Oh, yes. Let's do that. So thanks so much for joining me today. This has been super inspirational and I'm so excited for you, Robin. Good luck with everything and keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 